welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist podcast that will collectively kick your ass if you continue to exclude women from your shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, motherfucker. Uh, today we have Laura. Zoe. Oh, and Ambria. And today we have two amazing guests. Colleen Ty and Shannon. Um, so you can find them at, at Colleen Ty and at no underscore talent underscore Shan, which we will link to in our description. So thank you both for joining us. Woo! Yay! Woo! Yay! <laughs> um, first, I just want to shout out to Colleen for making our very cool and extremely good merch. Um, our finger, our finger, our figure designs. So those, which I'm wearing right now. Yes. Um, as well as our crescent designs were all done by Colleen and she is a dream to work with. So if you have stuff like that, you need done, you should pay her money. Um, Colleen is an illustrator, of course, a cartoonist, communist and competitive power lifter. And Shannon is, a a socialist Twitter woman who lifts. Uh, she mostly does CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting. Uh, the thing that I did not say at the very beginning is that today's episode is on working out in gender and like what it means to be um, a woman who is lifting or doing kind of traditionally masculine types of working out um, in those spaces. So again, thank you both for being here. Um, if y'all want to take some time and maybe introduce yourselves a little further, why this topic is important to you and what your relationship is to leftist feminism. Cool. Do you want to go first? Okay. No, no I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I started powerlifting about two, two and a half years ago. Kind of depends on whether you count my breaks. Um, but I have found it very transformational in my life to the point where I actually wrote a comic about it called Powerlifting Doesn't Care What I Look Like. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I am very, very into powerlifting now. Um, it's uh, I train usually three to four days a week. Uh, I did my first competition in April. I have another competition coming up in July. And they're called meets, not competitions, but whatever. Um, and I hope to continue doing that throughout the rest of my life. Uh, and my relationship to socialist feminism is that it's very important to me. <laughs> um, I was uh, a socialist organizer. I still am trying to organize in other ways. And I find that so the the frame of socialist feminism um, is the frame I view all of my politics through, including things like uh, lifting and gender and identity. Hell yeah. Colleen, I don't know if you remember this, but the first time we met, well, the first time we met was at a socialist feminist training and I was wearing a shirt you designed and you came up to me and you're like, can I take a picture of you wearing my shirt, please? <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. I was very excited. Well, I also was pissed to later learn that you never got a like free shipment of that shirt anyway. It's a whole different story, which we can get into if we want to. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, Still don't have one of those shirts. <laughs> fucking so dumb. But yeah, it's very good. If you have any of those socialist feminism is the future shirts, it's very good. Um, I have that pin. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, it fell off my fanny pack and I was really sad, but <laughs> I found another one. It's all good. <laughs> How about you, Shannon? Um... Hey, I'm Shannon. I also, just as an aside, I do not have any of Colleen's socialist feminist pins, but I do have some, like, very retro-looking, like, DSA Femme pins from probably, like, the, the aughts at some point that I got, like, in 2016. They're real ugly. Um, yes. I, could, I could use an upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Shannon. Um, let's see. I started doing CrossFit in like for the fall of 2016 right after I graduated from college um I it was kind of like just this this ridiculous thing that I didn't think I would have any interest in um I'd never like I'd never been a person who who worked out at all I never played sports um I didn't even like regularly like go to the gym I didn't run and do any of that um I really hated all that stuff also um my dad and my stepmom had gotten into CrossFit a few years earlier and I literally, like, constantly made fun of them for it. I, I thought they were so dumb. Also, like, they're the type of CrossFit people who, like, wear, like, the CrossFit t-shirt, the CrossFit hat, the CrossFit shorts, the CrossFit shoes, like, the CrossFit hoodie on top of all of that stuff, the CrossFit branded gym bag. Oh um, so, like, they made it pretty easy to, to make fun of them. Um, but I graduated from college, and I had a bunch of free times uh, on my hands because I hadn't started working yet. And I was also kind of in this weird in-between period of being in recovery from an eating disorder and trying to figure out like how to be a functioning adult with a healthy relationship with my body mm-hmm. um and so my dad finally talked me into like trying out CrossFit um and one of the selling points he always mentioned was like there's a ton of women at the gym there's female coaches um it's not like a bro environment like there's like women like run the classes dominate every not dominate in like a you know we can, we can talk about how people talk about women in the gym later. But uh, just did a, he was saying it was a very inclusive space. Um, and so I finally did check it out. And I started off doing this, like, three-month kind of intro program. And by the end of that, was was totally sold and was excited to, to keep doing it. Um, and let's see. Yeah, so that was, that was, like, the fall of 2016. Um, at the time, when I started off, I was probably going, like, three or four times a week. Um, I'd work out with my dad a lot, um, and then in the fall of 2017, I moved to Philly, which is where I live now, um, and I, again, had a ton of time on my hands because I was unemployed, so I started going to the gym, like, five or six days a week, uh, also just because, like, I didn't know that many people, um, so it was a way to, like, build a community and feel like I was, like, doing something productive when I otherwise felt like I had no idea what I was doing, um, and started like taking it a little bit more seriously then. Uh, and also at my new gym, they started up a, uh, twice a week Olympic weightlifting class with a female coach. When I first joined the gym, actually they had the Olympic weightlifting class, but it was with uh, a male coach who was like one of the more prickly people in the gym. Uh, he worked with a group of like two or three guys. They were all very intimidating and I never wanted to talk to any of them. So even though like I knew that I was interested in Ollie and wanted to spend more time on it, I was just like, that's not for me. 
Um, but so when they got this this new coach, who was a, like a 20-year-old woman who had competed nationally in Olympic weightlifting, I was like, yes, I will start doing this. Um, so for the past like eight or nine months or so, I've been working more specifically on Olympic weightlifting, in addition to still doing CrossFit. Um, and I absolutely love it. I definitely work out too much. And I'm constantly hurting myself, so I'm trying to like talk myself into taking more rest days. Um, but yeah, so that's that's my my working out intro. Um, what socialist feminism means to me, I probably st- I started identifying as a socialist probably around like seriously I would say around 2015. But uh, I grew up in Berkeley, so I'd like. New, new people who called themselves socialists, like, without really knowing what it meant. Um, when I was in high school, I was c- pretty into, like, civil libertarianism. Um, and then when I went to college, I got super into, like, more liberal feminism. And uh, over the course of my time in college, and especially um, as Bernie kind of started announcing his his first run for president, I started getting very disillusioned with a lot of the liberal feminists that I had been huge fans of as I saw them kind of take sides in the primaries and realized like, oh, the things that they are espousing in, in their like political commentary really don't line up with what I thought I had in common with them. Um, and that pushed me a lot further to the left in terms of like seeking out a, a different kind of feminism that looked more like uh, what what matched my other sort of political ideals. So... Yeah, yeah, that's, that's me. Yeah, I just want to say I'm from Philly and I like gasped when you said you were living there, but I was on mute. So (laughs) (laughs) but I was like, (gasps) we stand Philly for sure. sure Um, So let's kind of open things up a little bit by talking about expertise um, and specifically who gets to claim to be knowledgeable about this type of working out, um, as well as like gendered attitudes towards that, like knowledgeability in the gym and elsewhere. Um, and then, you know, similarly, like also that women need to be very built. Large women are ignored compared to smaller, more visibly ripped women. Um, how does this show up? And like, what are your thoughts on this expertise topic? Well, I'll say one of the reasons why I reached out to you is because me and Shannon were talking about this specifically. (laughs) We were just, like, annoyed um, because there is absolutely a strain, no matter where you are, like, there are a lot of leftists who lift, and it's it's pretty cool. Um, And there is certainly a gendered attitude about who, who is considered a visible leftist who lifts and who is not. Um... And, like, like the idea of expertise in, in the gym, it's, it's something that, like, one, it's recorded, right, that, like, they've done studies, and it, it, we just don't view women as experts in the way we view men do. And I actually have to check myself still all the time, where I just assume that some guy kind of knows what he's talking about. And I would say one of the more transformational aspects of lifting was, so I started very differently than Shannon and um, I just decided to start lifting. Um, I was reading a column called Ask a Swole Woman by Casey Johnston, which I recommend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she was like really like 
go lift. I was like, all right, I fucking hate running. So why not? And I was very kind of, uh, self-assured in what I was doing, even though I didn't really know what I was doing. And once I read even a little bit about lifting, I started noticing that where I started, which was in uh, what we call a commercial or like a globo gym. So I was in a crunch, not a barbell gym, which is where I lift now. Um, There's all the bros in the, in the muscle section, right? There are all the bros that are squatting and with the free weights. And as soon as I learned even a little bit what good technique was, I realized that none of them knew what the fuck they were doing. They're all quarter, <laughs> they're all quarter squatting, which means no depth. Yeah. They're not <laughs> enough. They're benching terribly. They're like, none of them have any fucking clue what they're doing, but they just quote unquote, look like they know what they're doing. And they would come over and talk to me all the time and try to either, every single time I went to the gym, one of them either asked me out or gave me very bad form advice. And because I'm like a Virgo and I love research, I was like, thank you for your input, but I've looked at 100 million form (laughs) videos and I know my form is fine. Go away. Go away. Um, (laughs) And so I like, it definitely comes out in those more commercial gyms, but even in, in barbell gyms, it, it comes out like, who you go to, like, which coach you go to, like, like, oh, the male coach is the more serious competitive coach. Like, that's who you go to when you want to, like, be a serious competitor. And the female coach is, like, there who also is good, but, like, she's not as serious. It's a very common attitude, even if no one really talks about it, where, like, because there's such a focus, especially now on getting women into barbell sports, which I think is great, but then people assume that to once you get past an introductory level, like the women you've been learning from don't know what they're talking about. Does that make sense? Totally. And yeah. I feel like it's, I feel like it's like very similar to this is kind of, you know, one of those like floating lines and like the, the lib femme discourse of like, um, I wish I had the confidence of a mediocre white man. Mm. That's, <laughs> That's like, yeah. it's totally borne out in, in like weightlifting and strength training. Like, I know guys who I know for a fact know way less about um, about weightlifting, about strength training in general, about like exercise, nutrition, who just are so confident about themselves as as athletes and as like people who are able to kind of teach this to other people who might want to ask them about it because they look like strong people. And I'm just like, I I know that I know way more about this than you. And I would never like dare to go walk up to somebody else and be like, let me tell you exactly like how to do this. Like, like, let me, let me fill you in because like I, I even I've had this, sorry, I feel like I'm like going in a million directions, but no, sorry. I I, I at some point would like to coach CrossFit. Like, um, I've thought for a long time that that was like something that would be a cool extension of, of my time as a, as a CrossFit participant. But I kind of set all of these like internal targets for myself of like, well, I don't think I should coach if I can't do strict pull-ups. I don't think I should coach if I can't snatch at least 95 pounds. I don't think I should coach if I can't, uh, you know, demo a handstand pushup um, or whatever it might be. Because there's this whole range of, of types of movements and skills in CrossFit. And so I, like, convinced myself that, you know, I wouldn't be able to be a good coach unless I could kind of do everything at the highest level. Um, and then I sort of realized as I spent more time in CrossFit and, like, went to, like, different gyms and met different people who had their 
their CrossFit L1, which is what the coaching certification is called, is that a lot of guys don't hold themselves to that to that right. standard and will start coaching or will just start giving you unsolicited advice in a class without really knowing what they're talking about, or at least without knowing any more than you do. Mm-hmm. I think there's also a socialization aspect of it in school. Um, at least in my case, I know that the guys at my high school were in the lifting room a lot. If you did sports, you were really encouraged to be lifting. And I think like I played sports a little bit and we were, it was never that much of a culture for female athletes. Like it was for male athletes at the level I was competing at, which was not like the most advanced athletics. But I think that because men get socialized in that way so early on too, that just like makes it worse because they start out already feeling comfortable and already feeling pretty knowledgeable about it. Because I, I would assume there are some men uh, who didn't grow up working like in, with athletics or working out, and maybe they want to make a change, like lose weight or bulk up, and they're looking to get into it. And they probably also feel pretty intimidated by the like cocky, self-assured guys who pretty much like are already at the gym. Yeah, it also reminded me. So I grew up a competitive swimmer and then I was a swim coach for a little while for a high school like co-ed team and the head coach was a man and then I was the um, assistant coach and and like one for sure some of the swimmers were faster than me but they didn't need to know that Um, (laughs) but then when we like there was one meet of the year where me and the head coach would like swim a race with them and like he was the head coach he always had like a lot more confidence in coaching and like you know, exuded that white male energy. Um, when we actually <laughs> raced, I was faster than him, and I was like really fucking excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> um, and then he was like, "Oh, it's because I'm older than you," and I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> "Well, I think um, to talk about your point, Hope, I think that's really, really important, and I think the socialization aspect is a much, much larger factor than people." really then we fully understand at this point because um you you see it in in every type of exercise and including lifting and you it's actually a an internal monologue I've noticed Mm -hmm. where something that's interesting when you're lifting as a woman is that you are doing these things that are like really like it's Lifting is scary for anyone. Like when you get to a certain point, you're like, holy fuck, I have 200 pounds on my back. This is scary. Like, um, but I noticed in myself, like I do, I did it this week where I was like, I don't know, I was doing like dumbbell flies, which is like, I'm like, oh, I have weak upper arms, blah, blah, blah. And I noticed like everything was easy. I kept like jumping up in weight. I was like, well, this can't be right. Like, I shouldn't be able to go up and wait the way that I'm doing this. And it's a self-limitating factor that I think comes from the idea that, like, you're just not socialized to be comfortable with weights and you're especially not socialized to be comfortable with large weights, Mm -hmm. which, um, like, even if women even make it into the weight room, you don't want to pick up weights larger than, like, 10 or 20 or 30 pounds. And, like, so... And the whole thing with like, you know, oh, I don't want to get bulky, which (laughs) has a lot of things wrapped up in that, Um, which like me and Shannon have talked about this before. We're like when I don't think people who don't do like 
women who don't do strength training don't understand how hard it is to have visible muscles. It's like a really, really hard thing to do unless you have genetics that kind of like allow that to happen. And like, I'm at the point where I'm like, I want huge fucking arms. Yes. And it, it will take like five years for me to get huge arms. Um, but, but, um, oh God, I'm like going all over the place. But, uh, so to go back to like, even like the, the weight room thing, uh, there is a, there's a website called stronger by science that has a podcast. It's kind of like a evidence-based lifting, powerlifting sort of, well, it's like all types of lifting, but the, one of the guys, Greg Knuckles did a study recently comparing, um, strength in women and men in the bench press and just like doing a bunch of scientific things. He hasn't released the study yet, but he talked about it on his podcast. Um, and the thing that I thought was interesting that they did not remark upon, um, is that they found some, I think they found these individuals who the men had touched the bench press throughout their entire life, like since a teenager and for the women, even though they found quote unquote trained individuals. So like people who have been lifting for more than a year or two, the women had not touched like a bench press until like fairly recently, like within the last five years. And I think that probably has more of an impact than like, than like we re- we can really imagine anyway <laughs> yeah no I mean like I like I said I when I started CrossFit it was something that I never never in a million years would have like thought that I would ever do if not for my dad being like super pushy about getting me to try it whereas like I feel like any guy I know if like probably has at some point given thought to taking a CrossFit class like oh. whether or not he actually decided to follow through on it like the the idea that like you could jump into some form of strength training and be able to figure it out and do all right whether or not you like want to make it a regular part of your life I think that like occurs to to I feel like I'm making a massive generalization here which I am but uh that like just occurs to men in a way that I think it doesn't occur to a lot of women especially women who weren't involved in like athletics um before then and also, this is just kind of an aside. I had brunch with Kath Barbadora this morning, who has yes, also been yes. um, getting into lifting. She's also we been were, on our podcast. Yeah, yes. she mentioned that. <laughs> uh, we, were, we were bitching about how, I don't think, me and Colleen have complained about this before too, how like unfair it is. That, like a man can just, I mean, depending on his size, but in many cases, like a man can walk into a, a barbell gym without any experience and like already be able to squat 200 pounds. Mm. Um, and it's so infuriating as like a uh, smaller than the average man woman who is trying to squat 200 pounds. I know Colleen already can um, to like <laughs> see, see guys be able to. And I think this contributes to that confidence or let's say like a 200 pound squat and a 300 pound deadlift. Like you as a as an average man, you can hit those benchmarks without very much training. Um, and pretty early on and like to an average person who's not in strength training, like those, those numbers sound very impressive. And I think that's part of why guys can get these sort of like perceptions of expertise more easily because like a 200 pound squat for me or Colleen is a much bigger deal than it is for like an average guy. But if you're not thinking about 
gym stuff that often. It just sounds like a big, it just sounds like a big number. Like mm-hmm. the, the, what's the, Colleen, what's that? The Wilkes thingy that they use yeah. in powerlifting? So like, in, pa- in powerlifting, there's something called your Wilkes score, which also now depending is your IPF score, but anyway, um, but it, it's your total, it's a number that takes into account your weight class and your numbers. So the two people who hold the highest, I think it's actually two or top two or three people who hold the highest Wilkes score in the world are women, Hmm. which is dope. That's what they're the strongest people in the world. (laughs) Hell yeah. So something else I want to talk about, um, is how mental health plays into working out. Um, and I love working out, but I also do well one I, I like group workouts um I so I do like classes I do a lot of Pilates um and I've been doing pole dancing which one of the reasons I really like them is because it is more like feminized spaces and I like working out with a group of women like that feels empowering um and good to me but I also obviously think women should be able to be in any kind of workout space like comfortably so I'm wondering um for y'all doing lifting like how that plays into your like mental health and self-esteem and you know so that 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 kind of stuff (laughs) yeah well so I I mentioned this a little bit earlier but um when I when I first started getting into lifting um I was in in a I mean I think there is a lifelong process of eating disorder recovery so I'm not going to say like I was in recovery then which is now like a, a closed chapter or whatever but it was like a little bit more raw at the time um, that I start, that I like first picked up a barbell and to the extent that I did have experience with exercise, a lot of it was just like kind of making myself go to the gym in this very self punishing way to like do the fucking treadmill or the elliptical or whatever for just a ridiculous amount of time to like punish myself. Basically, it wasn't something I like enjoyed doing whatsoever. Didn't make my body feel good. It didn't make my mind feel good. Um, I just kind of had it as this, like, this is this social thing that you're supposed to do to, you know, whatever. Um, and the first time I realized that like, you can have a fitness life that does not involve running or cardio whatsoever, um, was extremely liberating. Mm -hmm. Uh, and also just realizing that like you, especially, especially for like your squat and your deadlift, when you first when you do it for the first time and realize that like you actually do have pretty big leg muscles, whether like whether or not you've done any strength training, like when you do the major leg lifts for the first time, like I was very pleasantly surprised to see like, Oh, I actually have muscle there. I can actually like, you know, move some weight without having, without having even like worked on it before. Um, and that was like, that was really exciting. And also like there's, you know, the, the newbie gains phenomenon or whatever, which is where, when you first start strength training, you build strength a lot faster than you do once you've been doing it for several years. Yes. So there was this like big high of like, you know, every week you'll hit a PR. Um, and it, you know, it, it gives you a real sense of, of accomplishment. And a big thing for me was that it helped me totally redefine my relationship with my body, um, in a way that was based like not on aesthetics, but on, seeing what my body was capable of and seeing what it could do in a way that made me feel powerful in a way that I really hadn't before. Um, and also kind of related to that changed 
my approach to this is a much bigger topic, but you know, helped helped me kind of think about how I ate as how do I fuel my body and give it the energy that it needs to to lift weights, to be strong, to, to like create power output. Um, because I could like feel the difference when I, you know, went into the gym properly fed versus not. Mm. Uh, and that helped me like, so I, kind of- I have a quick question I wanted to ask as somebody who's raising a little girl. Um, I wonder, are there things like I should be doing with her or showing her, I mean, short of like giving her a little baby, um, dumbbell or something (laughs) to kind of, which would be very cute to kind of like encourage her to have that, that feeling of like, oh, my body can do cool stuff. Like, are there other ways to give kids that earlier? Well, so there are actually a couple girls on Instagram who lift like young girls one is mm-hmm. of my favorite her name is Happy Luma and I would recommend looking her up she's like seven and she power lifts um she's amazing but Damn. she's so cool that's so cute um I'm looking her up right now yeah like please look it up it's the sweetest thing in the world uh I would say that like I think we unconsciously limit uh I, th- I mean, I think it's it's a general thing. I don't think it's, like, in regards to lifting, but we unconsciously, like, limit or get scared of girls doing things. You know, like, when I told my mom I was, like, lifting, she was like, please don't hurt yourself. But, like, you know, I don't think she would have the same reaction if I – does that make sense? Like, she would just be like, oh, like, cool, good for you. You're getting strong. But she was like, oh, my God, you're going to die. But that's, like, a mom thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but – I, yeah. I think I think allowing for that same kind of level of like encouraging encouraging the idea that you can do things that make you strong and aggressive and make you seem kind of bigger than than what you're supposed to be. I don't know. I don't know that I have a good answer for this either. Um I mean, like, I think my, my parents definitely, like, encouraged me to participate in sports when I was a child, and I was not into it. Uh, I actually, I said I never did sports, but there is a very small exception to that, which was when I was in kindergarten, I was on a softball team um, called the Sister Party Rentals. <laughs> it was just named after a little <laughs> Amazing. Um, which I also thought was so stupid. But so I... My dad loves to t- tell the story. I don't even know if I actually remember it, if I just remember it from him telling it to me. But he said that they, like, came to one of my games, and I was, like, in the outfield, and a ball came my way, and I just sat down. <laughs> I was like, nope. I'm totally over it. Yeah. Someone else dig it. But, yeah, so, like, even even when I was was pushed in those directions, it just wasn't something that I was interested in. And I think part of that might have also been that it was, like, I didn't do well in, like, the group sports kind of environment. And maybe if it was a more individual type of practice, I would have done better. But um, I I definitely don't think that I didn't have encouragement to do that kind of thing if I didn't want to. Um, but also, like, when I think of friends of mine, uh, you know, women friends who who were kind of athletic all their lives and who participated pretty seriously in sports like some of my friends from high school who went on to do to be you know d1 college athletes sometimes in in some cases it kind of fucked them up 
um, in terms of like their relationship with with body image, like mm-hmm. being in being in highly competitive like athletic environments from a young age can definitely give you a lot of baggage. Yeah. So. Yeah, and like I had a similar background to Shannon. I my parents are very into sports. Both my sisters played like softball pretty competitively and I just like literally sat down and cried at every practice and every sport and that was just because I was a weirdo I was a weird art kid I was like I want to be sad in a corner hell yeah <laughs> and, and I think lift, lifting actually definitely attracts a lot of like introverted weirdos I would say I think because of that it's a singular sport and it's pretty accessible um and, and as an adult it's a very accessible sport which is cool um but yeah, I, I, I don't know. But actually, to circle back to the mental health question, because I, I think what Shannon said about the body image thing because of sport, I think it's, lifting is interesting because I had a, I think most women when you talk to who get into lifting, like have a very similar story where like, like I had the same thing, like I was had a very, very disordered relationship um, with my body at the moment that I picked up lifting and me really repair that relationship but it's never going to be fully fixed because we live under capitalism and diet culture and patriarchy. Mm -hmm. And so it like provides, it provides a map to help me, but it won't solve it. And it certainly shows up in lifting. Um, Like like I don't want to be utopian about the, the, the thing I live in, but uh, the idea that like, yeah, the idea of like eating food for yourself and also something my therapist asked me, which I thought was interesting, was she was like, oh, like you lift, like, you know, because I have struggled with anger issues as a child and as an adult, it's gotten better. But um, when my therapist was like, thing is a way to deal with your aggression, I was like, no, because I'm not angry when I'm lifting. I'm like really focused and exerting a lot of energy. And then I was thinking about it more. I was like, it absolutely is a way to deal with my anger. It, it, it is absolutely a way to deal with like frustration and anxiety. I notice if when I don't go to the gym, I like became much more impatient, um, much more depressed, much more anxious because the act of lifting, lifting, uh, kind of is mimics and practices mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, like you have to be really focused. You have to, you focus on your breathing. You have to be really in the moment and you have to really connect with your body, like my body awareness, the awareness of how my body moves, what muscles are, like the quote unquote mind-body connection. I am literally repairing it as I lift. Um, I'm in the middle of reading that book, uh, The Body Keeps the Score, which has been very interesting to me because it's about somatic therapy, which is uh, like kind of dealing with therapy through the body. Um, I would say I am a person that has complex PTSD and lifting has been one of the main ways I've been able to help that Mm -hmm. in a way that literally nothing else has helped. And like, I get emotional when I think about it because I have, I like pretty publicly went through a really rough year last year. Mm -hmm. Um, I, if anyone doesn't know, I was very involved in DSA and I had to leave because I got harassed out. It was very emotional. I spent basically the past year, like really trying to figure out what to do with my life. And if I did not have the gym, I would have absolutely lost my mind because it was the one space that was like, this is my safe space. This is where I go to like process my emotions. It's also where my friends are. Like I know Zoe, 
was asking about the environment thing. And I think it's very true. Like if you're not, it can be very scary, but especially barbell gyms, I would say because lifting is such a niche thing, uh, anyone who likes lifting is going to be so stoked that you're there. Like I honestly, like powerlifter people, especially because powerlifting is so like nerdy <laughs> and like goofy, it's a goofy sport. And, and like when people are into it, like they're so excited that you're there and everyone's just really friendly and like, I have been able to make so many friends just about being vocal about lifting and it's like enriched my life in like so many other ways beyond just like being healthy and like, you know, exercise quote unquote. Yeah. I want to second that. I know I, I before was saying I didn't do well in like the group sports environment. And while that is true, I think that also has to do with kind of being like a crazy Virgo. Like, I don't think I liked group sports for the same reason that I always hated group projects. Um, <laughs> but there definitely is a ton of community in um, definitely in CrossFit gyms, but also just, I think in like strength, cre- strength training communities in general. Um, and like I said before, like I used, I used the gym as a major way to start making friends and kind of building a community um, when I like moved to a new city where I didn't know that many people and had a ton of free time on my hands. And it was really like going to the gym was a huge way to like get myself out of bed when I was very depressed and both because lifting gave me a feeling of doing something productive, but also because I was like, I know that all of my friends go to the five thirty CrossFit class every day. They're going to be there. Like that might be the only time this week that I like, am interacting with other during this not in general but like during this particular stretch of my life when I was like searching for a job and driving myself absolutely insane um in a new city on the other side of the country like regularly going to the gym was like my one thing where I was like I'm going to go see people and socialize and feel like a human being um and that made a huge difference in like helping me keep my balance um and also like just in other times when I've had stressful shit going on Um, I think what Colleen said about like mindfulness is super spot on. Like it's so you really, it's, it's really hard to like, I won't say it's hard to spiral when you're lifting because you definitely can still, (laughs) you definitely can still melt down even if you're, even if you're working out. But I think it helps a lot to kind of stave off, um, the sort of spiraling that I otherwise have trouble with if I'm just sitting around the house not doing anything um Um, because if I have like programming that I know I have to get through then it gives me something to focus on I think it was Colleen earlier you were kind of talking about like going into the gym and um doing a bunch of cardio and it feeling like you're punishing yourself Um, and that really resonates with me. I, I also didn't do, uh, athletics as a kid. I was never in any sport at all. And, um, ever since I've been like an adolescent, I've always been in some stage of trying to lose weight. And so the times that I did go to the gym regularly, I would just like go in and do an hour of like hard cardio and nothing else. And that was my experience with like what working out was. Um, and it was definitely like fueled by guilt or like the sense that I was like trying to like work something off, like pay down some kind of debt from like, you know, eating or whatever. Cause I'm like trying to burn calories. Um, 
And then like a year ago, I started going to the gym with one of my classmates and she does lifting. And she started like, she was like, oh, you should come with me and lift stuff. And I was like, I don't know. And I went with her. And before long, she had me like squatting with a bar on my back, which felt, you know, made me feel so powerful and doing like deadlifts and stuff. Um, and I actually, Colleen, I got her your shirt uh, yes. as a gift uh, for doing this with me. And she loved it. And she used to wear it all the time. Um, and I haven't been going as much lately. But um, when I was, I was really surprised at how good it made me feel uh, just like in my everyday life. I mean, because I hadn't really done strength training at all before, because I was always like, oh, my goal is to lose weight. Why would I do anything else but go do like a bunch of cardio? Um, But it gave me all this energy to be more physically active. And it made me feel like better when I was physically active and had all this like new strength. Um, so a lot of women say, you know, ideally they lift to feel strong. Um, and I feel like you've kind of touched on that a little bit, but if you guys identify with that, what does feeling strong mean to you? And like, how has it impacted you in your daily lives? So something I, one that's super cool to hear, like that makes me so happy to hear. And like, um, I think it's, it's, almost like it's hard to describe I think unless until you've done it like how cool it feels too like you just feel fucking cool you're like fuck yeah I'm like fucking squatting like I feel so (laughs) badass right now Um, which is such a shift right like yeah from feeling like I'm in the gym to like suffer and shifting to like walking out of the gym feeling each and every time like I did something cool while I was there yeah, like it's it's insane the difference and like the literal idea that you're not trying to just get smaller. Like even if you're even if the goal is still like in some way to like change your physique or whatever, like you're like, but I have at least another goal. Like the goal is I want to squat a bit more or you know, do whatever and I think that also a lot of women when they're going to the gym, yeah, it's like penance. And instead, when you're lifting, it can be a way to to really assert like you deserve to do something for yourself, which can be very hard, especially for women who are maybe mm-hmm. in caretaker roles. Mm-hmm. And like there are a lot of moms like who lift who are like, it's a way like I like I like thinking about lifting as a way to practice a lot of other skills um so like being able to just like get up and say to the world like I actually deserve to go to the gym for an hour or two doing something that makes me feel really cool and badass and like that's like a boundary I'm going to set for myself like I do think that's a part of quote-unquote feeling strong and that helps self-confidence like I've noticed like just because of a lot of life stuff I've kind of forced myself to become self-confident more and more this past year but like I just like have I guess you can call it like it's like confidence or like almost swagger where I'm just like I don't yeah. fuck anymore like fuck you it's liberating like, it's like yeah. it's not- well another thing I would say is like going about this confidence thing going back to what Colleen said about like I think you I think we're talking about fear or something like that, about how it's, you know, it's scary to like put 200 pounds on your back. 
the other thing about that I think is the reason that lifting like makes you feel powerful like not only in a physical way but just in a general emotional way is like you lifting is so mental like you can't if you walk up to the bar in like insecure you're gonna fail a lift even if like you're strong enough to hit it like if you don't walk up to it confidently it will totally throw you off and so you have to you really have to start reshaping how you think about yourself and your abilities because that's what that's what makes you make progress um, and once you like notice the difference, like and this is especially something I've noticed since I've been doing Olympic weightlifting more because it's it's the lifts are so technical. Um, and because I like so, for example, one of, one of the Olympic lifts is called a, a clean and jerk. And the first part is the clean, um, which involves squ- front squatting the bar up from from the bottom of the clean. Um, I can front squat 180 pounds. And my clean for the longest time was stuck at like 120. It's it's now at like 130. Still hoping to get it higher up, but I would have, I would like no. I am strong enough to to lift this bar up. Like if I get to the bottom of the clean, I know based on my front squat that I can stand it up. And I knew from my failed attempts at cleaning 130, like failed it so many times before I finally got it that I would, I would pull the bar like up to my eye level, which you don't have to do like to successfully clean a bar. Like you have to basically get it to kind of above your waist and then drop under it and stand it up. So I was like, I know that I can pull it because I've seen it get fucking all the way up to my face. And I know that I can stand up the squat because I can squat that much. Um, the only like missing piece is like believing that I'm capable of doing it and not being afraid which I always would would be I was just like terrified I would like give up halfway through the lift and not finish it and anyway circling all the way back to what Colleen was saying about being confident I think like that element of lifting is part of why it helps you outside of the gym and in other parts of your life because it really forces you to kind of reckon with your security in your abilities and in who you are as a person because if you don't you'll never get anywhere yeah, and and the like the the fear aspect and practicing getting over fear, I think is a thing that like we don't get to practice, especially as adults. And I think women don't get to fail in public and keep trying. Like I, I like I don't think that's a thing we allow for. And in lifting, you have to fail. That's just like built in. If you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. Mm-hmm. And. So now you you have to get to a mental space where you're strong enough to be like, I'm going to fucking push it. I might fail in front of all these people and it's going to be fine. I'm going to keep going. And yeah, I would say the strength aspect is more mental than physical, to be honest. Totally. The only other thing I thought of when you said how is, how is feeling strong impacted your life is that friends started asking me to help them move. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. Um so let's talk about like how people get into this. So right, like um, not everyone can be calling and watch a bunch of YouTube videos and watch and read a bunch of things, right? Um, and I know Shannon, you had said that CrossFit was a major thing that got you into this. And even though it's a big corporate institution, it has been getting it's been huge in getting more women exposed to strength training. So I guess like 
Particularly when you have, like, fucking douchebaggy dudes, like, bringing up bootstrapping, like, well, don't spend that much money when you could spend $10 a month at this cheap gym and get, like, learn the same shit. Like, how do, how do we get more women feeling comfortable in these spaces? Like, what do you, what do y'all think are the best entry points? Um, I think knowing other women who, who lift or who do some form of, of strength training is big, which is part of why I like to talk about it constantly and bring it up to women all the time. Um, because I think it's like, once you see that women are doing it and that it's not a weird thing and that it's like a, a, a normal part of many women's lives, not a normal part, like a badass part, it helps you start to visualize yourself in that place. And another thing is that I have recommended to a lot of people who are like, I would love to start lifting, but I'm terrified and I don't want to walk into like a Globo Gym's weight room where it's going to be a bunch of juicy guys and I'm not going to feel comfortable like butting in is I, I have often told people like, even if you don't want to do CrossFit, like as your sport, every CrossFit gym has like an intro course that they make you do if you're a beginner where they teach you every lift over the course of like a month or six weeks or something like that. Um, so I have also given that as an idea to people like do the CrossFit intro and then take yourself to another cheap gym or like do CrossFit for six months or something so that you have coaching support to, you know, have somebody watching you and giving you feedback, which is super important. Um, that's one, those are a couple ways that I think are, are helpful. Yeah. I mean, I think that I literally got into lifting when I did because Colleen was posting about it all the time and she posted <laughs> something about like strong, strong. And I was like, who are all these women lifting? And I just like went into my gym and was like, if they can do it, I can do it. But I think if I didn't see that at first, like I couldn't have like broken that. So I do think that there is that ripple effect of like being a woman who's doing that stuff and like being visible about it. That makes it, me feel so good. <laughs> yeah, literally, <laughs> if my angel of a friend slash classmate had not, like, held my hand and, like, dragged me into the gym and put my hand on, like, a weight bar <laughs> and then instructed me and stood over me while I did it, I probably never would have done it. And I felt, like, intensely intimidated, even with her there. So, yeah, I think supporting each other is huge. And yeah. also seeing, like other people post about it even seeing Laura's posts has been really cool <laughs> yeah like I um I am a huge bully about getting people into lifting I bother <laughs> all of my friends about it um like I am I have successfully recruited my roommate <laughs> um yes I um but structurally um like I think that is the best way if you're a woman who lifts like just you just have to bully everyone around you into doing it. Um, structurally, um, and also the intro classes, there are also, like, if you don't want to do CrossFit, powerlifting gyms will also have intro classes. Some of them are free, some of them aren't, but I think those are really good starting points. Um, you can also just do what I did, even if it's scary, where you just look at videos online and just go in and do it, because powerlifting is a very... Um, Compared to other sports, it's low in technique. It, it, compared to like what Shannon does, which is Olympic lifting, you're like throwing the bar above your head. You're not throwing the bar. You'll be fine. You can just do it. Um, <laughs> but structurally, I give a shout out to this organization called Women's Strength Coalition. Mm -hmm. The gym I go to now is called Strength for All, um, and it is an outpost of that nonprofit. 
Women's Strength Coalition have been organizing kind of around this, trying to get women into barbell sports and also kind of consider the questions of like why women don't do this, why like queer people don't do this, like why are our spaces not attracting those people? And um, Strength for All is pretty uh, interesting. I don't know of many gyms like it where it is very specifically like it's not ex excluding anyone, but the needs of beginners, the needs of women and queer people, gender nonconforming people like are central to that gym. Mm -hmm. So you walk in and there are um, like there are the regular bars, which are 45 pounds. And then there's uh, a lot of women's weightlifting bars, which are 35 pounds. And then there's like 15 pound bars. There's a lot of fractional plates. So if you're benching and you're benching on the lower end of the spectrum, uh, going up by five pounds, which is usually what the weights are, uh, can be too big of a jump and you need fractional plates. A lot of globo gyms don't have those plates because if you're a bigger person, you could usually bench more than that. It doesn't quite matter as much to you. Um, there's, you know, just explicit, you know, explicit things in the space where like you have to agree to not use sexist, racist, transphobic language in the gym. You don't take videos of people without asking. You don't take photos of people without asking. Like you, it's just a, a an environment of intolerance towards like what happened to me in my Globo gym where like men would just fucking come up to me and just ask me the fuck out. And I would just be like, I hate this so much, but I love lifting. So I'm just going to keep doing it. And also I'm angry. And the way I react to that is to just take up more space, but that's not most people's reaction. Um, and I do think it's a structural thing that needs to be addressed in these gyms that we make. Um, because like, like any space, there's people who are shitty. Um, there's definitely a strong, like, fascist element to health and, and like it's really important I think to like very to create these spaces and more spaces and even to, like even if you're in a space that that isn't hasn't been constructed in the way of a space like strength for all has to consider the idea of like why like why are we not attracting women like why are we not making our spaces more welcoming and what could we do to do that so there are women who will organize like lifting sister social is one of them or like queer nights or just like ways to get people into a barbell gym and to just be like hey like we actually want you here we know the culture says you're not really supposed to be here but we want you here and I think that's one of the biggest ways beyond just like our individual efforts, like thinking as good socialists, like on a collective scale, on a structural scale, like what can we do to make these spaces more welcoming? Hell yeah. I, I think that what Colleen was saying connects a lot to like the reasons that I want to coach at some point. And it's also based on like my own experience with the different coaches I've worked with and seeing like how, like just noticing in myself how much more I was willing to, to, push myself and kind of be vulnerable and like try things that I knew I would fail when I had usually a female coach. Um, and just like seeing how my sort of comfort level in the gym changed, especially with this like Olympic weightlifting class when I was working with a woman instead of with a man, um, which isn't to say that like I haven't had good coaches who are men like I have, but, um, 
giving giving people the option when they have very valid reasons to distrust like gym guys um, to have alternatives is really important. And also, like Colleen was saying, I know in in uh, well, I follow a bunch of like women strength training people on Instagram, some from other gyms in Philly and some just from like other random cities. Uh, I know there's some like female weightlifters in in other gyms in Philly who I've seen run like monthly um women and queer focus classes like they'll just like open up the gym to like on on one sunday a month um not necessarily like the members of the gym but just kind of like open to the community like drop in if you are not a straight cis man um we want to get you interested in strength training or in crossfit or whatever it is um so i think like starting those sort of traditions when you have the resources as a coach or as a gym owner or whatever um, is also super helpful. Amazing. Um, is there anything else y'all want to tell us about before we close out any resources or like online things to check out before we say goodbye to y'all? Hmm. Oh my God. There's, there's, it's like, there's so many. The you can also, is like, what yeah. I was going to say is you can actually also just like, send me the links in our Twitter thread and I can add them in the description if that's easier. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, that and, sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Something I would say that like Instagram is like a curse and a blessing. Mm-hmm. Instagram does though. Like there is a culture now of posting or lifting on Instagram and there is a huge, huge amount of really cool people like on Instagram who like are like, like into this kind of stuff who like post all the time about like lifting or just like, you know, like our women lifting in the public and are really cool to see. And you, everyone listening to this should do it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for coming on and talking about all of this. This was super fun. I can't like, I can't believe how fast it went always. Hopefully we'll, we'll keep getting more, folks that aren't cis men to be doing this type of working out hell yeah yeah (laughs) thanks for having us yeah thanks guys yeah thank you (laughs) well this has been another wonderful episode of season of the bitch i've really (laughs) missed being here with y'all i'm excited oh did you yes of course thank you duh me um Hopefully I always I'll be around. miss you. That's why, like, I text you. I'm just like, Ambria, hello. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> Ogres and organizing um, said we're gonna do another. We're gonna do another D and D campaign, and Zoe wants to be in on it. So. Oh yes. wow! Hmm. We're talking about D and D campaigns, listeners. Don't you wish you could hear what we were talking about? Guess what? You can. Um, <laughs> we are recording uh, ourselves playing. Uh, it, it's been Laura and, our, and I so far, but as you just heard, you got the scoop that Zoe wants in. Um, we're we're playing uh, working class struggle related campaigns of Dungeons and Dragons as a crossover with a podcast called Ogres and Organizing. And we've done one. We want to do more. If you want to hear them, though, you have to subscribe on Patreon. Right. Sorry. We not don't sorry. make the rules. Yeah, we're not sorry. We don't make the rules. We found them in a book that was hidden in the ground that we dug up. 
and it said that those were the rules. Um, okay. So follow us on Twitter at season of the beat. Tweet at us. If you feel so inclined, we'd probably be into it uh-huh. um, unless you want to criticize us. In that case, don't. Um, and a different void, not our Twitter feed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, if it's like, if it's a criticism, like, hey, we don't like what you said um, about, I don't know, something, then that might be cool. But if it's like, oh, we don't like the weird sounds in the background, um, we know. We've heard about it. Yeah, if you, um, if you say, hey, we don't know. like listening to a bunch of women who are nice talking to each other, then get out of here. <laughs> or if you're like, if you... I'm a man, and you using the word bro offends me, don't care. Yeah, if you are the Reddit user who said that our podcast is pretty okay, but it's basically just a bunch of women taking turns talking, um, <laughs> which I don't know what else a fucking podcast is, <laughs> but I guess it's not usually women taking turns talking. It's men not waiting their turn talking, and then you can't tell what anybody's saying. Anyway, this has been a really long outro. You can also <laughs> email us at seasonofthebee at gmail.com. You could follow us on Twitter. You could you could go like us on Facebook too. Yep. Um but you should mostly just like listen to our podcast. I think it's pretty, pretty enjoyable. That's it. Yeah, that's all. Alright. Love you guys. Love you. Love you. Bye. Season of the Bitch. Oh.